I remember when Rabbi Chalab gave me an inscribed uh, copy of uh, the Sefer of Chidush Torah that was written by his uh, son, who we just looked at uh, to hear from, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Zev Chalab. I think it's called Chikrei Zev. Uh, and uh, I, uh, he told me he made such an endorsement of the Sefer. I have to read it from cover to cover. So on the plane ride back from uh, New York, I was already at the Chicago Rabbinical Council at the time. I... Uh, I read a number of the Simonim, and I enjoyed it so much that I quoted from the, the Sefer, the Simon on Kenosha. I quoted it in the Sefer that I ended up writing. Then when I published the Sefer about five years ago, I gave a copy of uh, the, the Sefer and inscribed a copy to Rabbi Chalap. I think it was the last time that I had a face-to-face encounter with Rabbi Chalap. He was already getting uh, weaker. He was getting frail from a cognitive perspective. But he was still in his office at the time. That was right after the uh, Sefer Shepa Yamim had been uh, had published, the collection of his essays. Uh, so I wrote uh, an inscription uh, for Rabbi Chalap. And uh, Rabbi Chalap said that he knew that the Sefer had just gotten published. He didn't have uh, the, uh, the, the ability at that time to give public uh, speeches or shiurim about it because it was difficult for him to hold uh, together a presentation at that uh, that moment in time. Uh, but it was very important to him that he also pro- provided inscription. And he sat there maybe for 15 minutes. I watched uh, the, uh, the furrows on his forehead uh, crinkle together with such an incredible intensity as he tried with every fiber of strength that he had to hold cup to keep his mind and his concentration together, occasionally asking me to remind him of uh, various uh, points of, of data so he can write them in properly. And um, Baruch Hashem, I was okay during that uh, last uh, face-to-face encounter to a beautiful inscription of uh, the Sefer of Fabimon, Tess above Tavis, Shnasa Tavshin Ayin Tess, just had the opportunity to show it uh, to uh, the Rebbe Zinnuberger uh, about a day ago uh, on Wednesday morning as she was getting up from, from Shiva in, uh, in New Jersey. The intensity that he brought uh, to that inscription was reflective of the incredible iron willpower of a man of unbelievable koach, who was not only larger than life, to everybody who knew him, but he gave of so much of himself that it was able to overcome physical ailment, impairment, all kinds of personal hardships, challenges, and even tragedies. And for as long as he could, it kept him going in terms of overcoming cognitive difficulties and impairments that he had towards the end. Uh, even in the subsequent telephone conversations that I would have with him, usually once a year around Rosh Hashanah time, uh, even if uh, there wasn't a, a full awareness of every uh, detail of uh, who I was anymore, he was able to figure out the category I was in and have an appropriate uh, conversation uh, with the same uh, spirited dialogue and, and expressions uh, and, uh, and joy uh, that he brought into every single encounter. Smachs v'lun mitzeisecha, v'yisachar b'yohalecha. 
this is uh, a pasuk, I think, uh, that gives us Ravzulin Chalap Minatora Minayin. Here's is our answer. He was Simach. He was the epitome of joy uh, in terms of uh, how he conducted himself in his uh, Torah life, in his leadership, and how he role modeled for others. When I took over the job as uh, Menayel, after Rabbi Chalap, he said to me, you're going to have a myriad of difficult responsibilities. You'll have to attend a lot of meetings. You'll need to go to many different uh, functions. You'll need to make all kinds of uh, presentations, and sometimes you may not necessarily be in the mood. He said, the yikr is, the key is, you have to enjoy every moment of it. You have to bring a tremendous amount of enthusiasm and joy to every single mundane task, and you have to elevate it. And that was an important piece of advice. There's no way I was able to be Mekayim that anywhere near what he was able to fulfill, but this is a key ingredient of his, of his success. And also... As we know, Chazal tell us, because of the work that Zebulun did, he was Lotzeis, to take care of Prachmatia, that enabled Yisachar to learn Torah because of Zebulun Chalap's efforts in fighting for the yeshiva. He was able to enable legions and legions generations and generations of Tamidim to sit and learn Torah in a holy atmosphere. It's interesting. The word is B'tsei Secha. Where do we find B'tsei Secha? Roshan Kiseitse L'Melchama. He fought many, many Melchamos Shel Torah during all of his years as the dean of a yeshiva in order to see to it that there would be a kiyam of Yisacha B'Yohalecha. Uh, that uh, the yeshiva would uh, remain strong and that the yeshiva would continue uh, to grow. And there was no stira, there was no contradiction in terms of uh, Rabbi Chalap's constantly fighting for the, the yeshiva from the standpoint of Rabbi Chalap's also being an Isha Ashkolot, a man of tremendous worldly wisdom and diverse uh, interests uh, that uh, you could talk to him in any subject and he would have uh, very interesting anecdotes to tell you. We know the key people in the field in any single uh, major area of uh, academia or even worldly endeavors of the arts and culture and so forth uh, because uh, Rabbi Chalap explained this. It was Margila uh, Befume, something he would say frequently. He would quote the Pasuk, Yafta Lukim Liefes, Vishkon, Vialei Shem, quoting from the Gemara Megillah and Daftesam and Beis. Uh, that, yes, there's much uh, to learn. He himself used to teach American history, as we heard. There is uh, much uh, to be gleaned from uh, the wisdom of uh, the world and culture and so forth, but that yafuso of the world must be ingrained in the all shame. It must uh, have the only looked at uh, through uh, the prism of untarnished uh, Torah. I once made the mistake of asking Rabbi Chalap, and we never had a testy conversation. We only had warm relationship. He wasn't, but he got his point, of course, without ever making anyone feel bad or engaging in criticism of any sort. I don't remember a single word of criticism or disapproval ever. But if he disagreed with you, he'd let you know. 
So I once asked Rabbi Chalap if he felt that the Y.U. model of Toru Mada was on some level maybe a successor institution on some level to the model that they had in Europe in the Hildesheimer Seminary. And oh boy, did I get it from him. Oh boy. He said, Chatz V'Sholem! He got so upset. He said, our yeshiva is the successor to Velozhin! That's what he truly felt and truly believed with every fiber of his strength. Uh, that's why he was so proud of all of the, the American-born Rashi Yeshiva at YU, because he felt that somehow he was able to bring Volozhin into, uh, into America. But at the same time, he said, we have to build your job. He told me is to build a fortress. You have to build a fortress around the Yeshiva, a fortress around the base Madrash, a fortress around the reach, around the Yeshiva programs, because the Apuso Shoyefis, uh, the beauty of what Yeshiva University, Tovamada model, whatever you want to call it, um, stands for, can only be maintained properly if the oil of shame is Tar Vikadosh Ligamri, if it is immaculate in terms of its purity and in terms of its, of its holiness. Rav Chalap was always very interested and they're very proud in particular of what he referred to as the Mitsuyonim. The Mitsuyonim in the yeshiva. He tried mightily to fund as many Kolo students as he could. Somebody didn't quite get into the Kolo Elyon. That's okay. We'll fund them anyway. We'll call them a traveler. We'll make up some other term. We'll have uh, other fellowships uh, that we'll create uh, so that uh, fellows who want to stay on and learn and are really committed that uh, they'll be able to develop uh, their, uh, their full potential. And many of those travelers went on to become a very successful Manhige Yisrael and, and Roshe Yeshiva. Um, he felt, when he spoke about Mitsuyanim, he's not speaking about a fellow who happens to be particularly talented, who happens to have a particularly good pedigree. Nobody could top his pedigree. Nobody could top being a son of, of a Yechiel Michal Cholap and a grandson of a Yaakov Moshe Cholap. Nobody, nobody could, could, could top that pedigree. But to him, it wasn't about pedigree. It was about uh, being Omel Betorah, somebody who had a sense of uh, devoting himself to Torah study, to uh, a smother in the base Madrash. So this person was a Mitsuyan. Anybody could be a, a Mitsuyan. But he held the people to a high standard that you had to push yourself as much as possible. He was so proud, so proud of those who had emerged from backgrounds of not uh, having a from upbringing, those who were gayrim even. Um, he felt who started out as not Jewish altogether. They come to the yeshiva and they would succeed in learning. He felt that, that uh, these were his mitzuyanim. These were the Tamidim he needed to promote. He once had a dilemma that he had a, a Talmud who wanted to go for Smicha. This is before we had uh, a, an explosion in the Bati Din of uh, Gary Tzedek in America. Baruch Hashem has been more uh, nowadays of a sincere converts that I deal with in my capacity in, in the Besden. But he asked Rav Soloveitchik. He asked Rav Soloveitchik he had a, a few students who were gay and they wanted to go for the Smicha program. Is this a problem? 
of Sarara, the, the leadership roles is something that's uh, well, potentially off-limits of the Gemara and Kedusha and elsewhere speaks about with respect to Tegerim. And Rav Soloveitchik answered him, and Rabbi Chalap would recount this to, uh, regularly to me. He said, look in Tosus and Kedusha and Davayim, it quotes different explanations of the statement of Rabbi Chelbo, Koshim Gerim Lisok Kisapachos, and Tosus quotes Rabbi Avam Ger. He quotes Rabbi Avam the Ger, Rabbi Avam the convert. He said, yeah, converts are difficult for the Jewish people because it's hard for us to keep up with them because they're so sincere and they observe mitzvahs so, so scrupulously, but he quotes Rabbi Avam the Ger. So Rav Soloveitchik said, it's good enough to be one of the Bali Tosus, you can give smicha. And uh, this uh, ger, uh, one particular ger, uh, wanted a position in a shul, and he was afraid the shul wouldn't hire him if they found that he was a ger, maybe based on their interpretation of the halach. And Abichalab told me very proudly about, based on the answer that he got from the Rav, he understood from the Rav, the Rav held that the ger could be the Rav of Rebbeis He could be a Banabali Tosvos, so whatever it means to be a, a, a Rav of a shul in America, uh, that was certainly not on a higher level than being one of the balitosos. So he helped the person get, um, get a pulpit. One of the Dupe Torah that he shared with me apropos to this week's parasha, parashas B'Shalach. So we know uh, the Medrash that uh, B'nai Yisrael reached the Amsuf. They didn't want to jump in. And uh, finally they were inspired by Naqshim ben Aminadav. He jumped in and uh, didn't drown uh, the waters uh, split, everything was fine, so they all followed Naqshim ben Aminadav. So he said, we have a bunch of Nisim. Look at the names of the Nisim, an indication what your expectations would be of somebody. So some of the Nisim, oh, highfalutin names. Shem Hashem, ooh, Shem Hashem once, twice, three times, four times. What became of those individuals? Elitzor ben Shteyor. Fortunately, not to take away Whatever godless he may have had, but according to the Medrash, he fell in. Fell in with the Adas Korok. Shlumiel ben Suri Shaddai. Oh, Shalom, Kel, Tzor, Shakai. Well, the Shemus Hashem there as well. Zimri ben Salu, according to the Medrash. Same person. Fell in during the Maise of the Benos Medina. So he said, who ended up being the great hero of the people? Try to find the Shem Hashem, Nachash. Try to find the Aremis of Shem Hashem. No, no, no. He became, he became the great leader. He became the great leader. He said, it's not, it's not the pedigree. It's not the pedigree, uh, not uh, the aspirations, expectations people have you. It's how you apply yourself. It's what you make of your potential. Anybody can become the greatest leader in Cloud Yisrael. He told me that, that particular, that particular message. Also, that particular Torah from that uh, uh, from those names, Rabbi Chalap also would advise me not to get discouraged if things don't always work out so perfectly. During my tenure, when I served as Menayel, so we had some challenging situations that we had to deal with, and he always had a word of chizik, a word of encouragement. It's very nice, Rabbi Chalap. He always introduced me at events. He say. Rabbi Reese is my successor. And not just because the word successor means that you come after someone, it's because he's a success. <laughs> and we continue to say that even after I left the position. I was a success. <laughs> success. That's 
was his successor. So I was so I was the success by definition. So he quoted in the pasuk in Kohelas, "Ki adam ein sadik ba'aretz asher yasetov lo yecheta." So he said, "That's the idea that uh, no, nobody can get away without sinning. Nobody can get away without uh, without faltering." He said, "Listen to the pasuk." Ki adam ein sadik ba'aretz ba'aretz. You go out. And you try to make a difference for arts. You try to make a difference amongst the people in the community to play a leadership role. You're going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. Things aren't always going to work out. But that's okay. You do it anyway. You do it anyway. Kohelis is telling you that don't be discouraged by the fact that you're going to falter. That's, that's all right. You pick up the pieces. You learn from your mistakes. But the main thing is... You should be Baharis and you should make you should make a positive a positive difference. Okay, for political advice as well. Rabbi Kolap was a very politically savvy uh, person, all completely the shame Shemayim, but he understood the world the world that he operated in. I took over the position. I had been serving as director of the Betin of America. It was a very intensive and demanding job. So he said, you know, you're gonna take over as Dean, keep your job at the Besdin as well. I said, well, Kalab, I, I can't do it. It's a full-time job. If, if I did that, I wouldn't have a minute uh, to serve as, uh, as dean. He said, oh, you've got to figure it out. I, I, I took all of his other advice. I said, I can't, I can't do that. I stayed on. I said, but I, I can't be director of the Bethan as well. So he said to me, all these years, he always made sure to remain. It's the Rav, Mashalu Parkway, of his shul. We all know he stayed in the shul 54 years told me proudly that they gave him a lifetime contract already in 1966. He wasn't such an elderly man. He was in his 30s. <laughs> 1966, they already gave him a lifetime contract. He said, unfortunately, they didn't give my shul a lifetime contract. <laughs> kept, kept the shul going as long as he possibly could. But he said to me that if they know the way that the Jewish communal world works, he said, if they know and why you... They always knew I had this job as a shulvav, that I was a, a shulvav, that I was the head of a, a, a shtat over there. So he said, so therefore, that causes them to respect you. Same thing in my shul. I have an important position at YU, so it means I must be worth something, because otherwise, you know, why would they hire me in the other place? He said, want to be successful in the Jewish community, you can't only work in one place, then of course they're not going to respect you, because they, they'll say, oh, they only works for us, so... But they say, oh, this other place needs them. Oh, so then, okay, so he's gone half of the time. He's gone 80% of the time. That's really, that shows that he must be really important. He says that. Good piece of advice, good piece of advice. So I took that when I moved on to the CRC Best that I kept the portfolio of Baruch Hashem, as well as at YU, so works out very nicely. Rabbi, Rabbi Chalap also was a very broad, a broad visionary. He was somebody who was... The Pasuk says, with respect to the Zvulun, Amim Harikro, everybody, all, all the nations came to benefit from his wisdom, to learn from him, whether it was uh, French scholars who would talk to him about how uh, they figured out uh, old French uh, from, uh, for, from the Rashis, and he would uh, meet with them and talk about the history of Rashi and what he contributed, whether it was his correspondence with uh, Herman Wouk, a uh, great uh, American author, who used to teach at YU, his relationship with people who went through the ranks of Yishul, like Ralph Lauren, he remembers uh, growing up with uh, the parents of Hank Greenberg in Yishul, and all kinds of interesting uh, personality, whether it was bringing all of the Catholic bishops every single year, 
uh, to uh, sit around the room. I remember we had these, these Catholic bishops and, and cardinals and, uh, uh, sitting around the table, and uh, we did it to all the Russian yeshiva to meet with them because Rabbi Kolap said it's important. Rabbi Kolap hadn't said it was important. Nobody would have dreamt of doing such a thing. But Rabbi Kolap was able to be Mekadei Shem Shemayim. Everybody was uh, despoiled from him. Everybody would, uh, would have a greater appreciation of Judaism and Torah when explained uh, through uh, the medium of, of Rabbi, Rabbi Chalap in his own special, unique style. It makes me think also of the Medrash that also elaborates on a Pasuk in the Torah about Zvulun. Zvulun l'chof yamim mishkom yachasor al tzidon. Zvulun was a little upset. Oh, other tribes, uh, they get the land and they get fields and um, mountains and valleys and oceans and rivers and um, not really getting the meaty stuff. So Amalok, Kodesh Baruch said to Zvulun, Zvulun, you don't get it. Kulam srichem l'cha. Everybody needs you. Everybody's going to need you. What everyone else will have, that's because of what you're providing when you're going up the mountains and down the valleys and when you're going on your trips across the oceans and you're influencing everybody else, that's what's going to enable the rest of uh, Klai Yisrael to be, to be successful. I had one insight once about Rabbi Chalat. <clears throat> so if I had the insight, I suppose that I should share it, but it might be wrong. It might be an incorrect insight, but it's an insight that I had. Something I felt I had, just like it occurred to me, that I couldn't figure out how Rabbi Chalap had this unbelievable recall of all people and places. He would meet somebody, he remembers, oh yeah, remember when you were in yeshiva, remember when your brother was in yeshiva, and your brother-in-law's yeshiva, and this nephew and this cousin, and I was there, and I was at that bris, and I was at this bar mitzvah, and the following thing happened, and he would tell the story, and of exactly what, and he just was able, he had such an incredible knowledge of every single person and every single community and with such enthusiasm and excitement, he knew so many stories about everybody. How could he have such an incredible knowledge and such an incredible excitement about so many different people's lives? Wasn't he busy enough living his own life that he was so incredibly intimate with the details of the lives of so many people. And then I, I had this insight. It's like the same thing when you go into Rabbi Chalap's office. And as we know, time stood still. Time stood still when you're in Rabbi Chalap's office. You can be in Rabbi Chalap's office two, three hours. Uh, just, uh, there, was no, there was no rush. Smacks Vulun was happy. He was content. But say, Seth, will leave when he's ready. He was... There was... He was Lamalamin Azman. I can recall one time, sometimes something will be running, be going on five minutes too long. I'm looking at my watch and oh, I'm going to miss this. I'm not going to have enough time to prepare for she, whatever it is. I can't recall a single time, even if I had, to, I spent three hours longer than I expected to, sitting in Rabbi Kalap's office, that I ever suffered as a result, that I ever felt, oh, I wasn't able to finish an assignment on time. I wasn't able to prepare for something on time. I missed something. Never. Time literally stood still. It's the most incredible thing. H- how did that happen? He had this unbelievable zuchos that the world really stood still for him. The, the Mishnah in Sanhedrin says, Every person is supposed to say, 
the world was created for me. That sounds like a lot of hubris. It doesn't sound like a, a Jewish approach. So Rashi already explains, no, 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 you don't understand. It doesn't mean from the perspective of arrogance. It means from the perspective of responsibility. Understand that everything depends on your doing mitzvot, and you better not you better not ruin it. You better not blow it when there's such an importance to every single mitzvah that, that you perform. I think Rabbi Chalak had an understanding of this principle of the world revolving around him. He understood that he had an immense responsibility in terms of the life that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him. It was an immense responsibility and it was an immense privilege that he had with respect to this life that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him. But if it was of such great importance, and this is why every single Talmud that he had was important to him because this was a part of the mission that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him. It meant anybody who came into his sphere, whether as a congregant, whether as a Talmud, whether as one of his Russia Yeshiva, whom he needed to take care of, whether it was a person on the street, whether it was the person from Pepsi-Cola, this person obviously was important in order to have merited to be part of the sphere of his life. If everything revolves around this life that he was given by Kodesh Baruch Hu to live and to take care of others, somebody comes into it, that person must be extremely important too. And that's why he was able to take such an intense interest in that person, because this person was part of his life. So obviously Kodesh Baruch Hu is maxing this person to a great degree. That was, that was the insight. That was the insight that I had in Rabbi Chalak, that I think is also a tremendous, tremendous Musr Haskil for all of us, that we should all have that same sort of perspective that if somebody comes into our life and we recognize that the life that the Kedesh Baruch Hu gave us is meaningful, so therefore we have to recognize the responsibility that we have towards that individual, the Hashivas of that individual and the excitement and enthusiasm that we have to have towards that person's life and every single detail regarding that individual as well. Rav Chalap was what I would call a Balkoma. He was a person of enormous stature in the sense that the Gemara describes that the Eina Shkina Shaiva El Agibo we learn from Moshe Rabbeinu, says in this week's parasha, who are we? Even when he's modest, he doesn't talk about himself. He combines himself with Aaron Cohen with somebody else as well. The most humble person in the world. So the question is, okay, we understand the Shkina Shaiva and somebody who's an Anuf, but why does he also have to be a Gibo, a Chacham, and Ashia? So we know the answer is many others say, like a golden mirror, don't be humble, you're not so great. Uh, that in order to have proper humility, you, you have to be great. And then if you're great, in other areas, you're still humble, so that's impressive. But when you look at the person, you think of them primarily as a humble person. You think of Rabbi Chalak. Rabbi Chalak was a paradigm of humility. It was never in about, it was never about himself. It was always about the yeshiva. It was always about our tamidim. It was always about Torah. It was always about how great the other people are. It was never, never about himself. The, the, the quintessential, quintessential honor. You think about it, who really spent time thinking about what a Chacham he was? Tremendous Chacham. You look at his Kiddush Shaitari, he was always, he was always holding. 
So always holding in every single sugi of somebody, a Talmud, learned the Masefta over the summer, they needed to fulfill a smicha requirement, they needed a test, he whip up a test in a few minutes, he was always holding it, holding in everything. He's holding in everything. He didn't show off. He didn't show off the Chachman. Gibor, um, I could tell you, already in his 80s, I would try to drive him from place to place. We'd go to an event together, he'd have his suitcase in the trunk, so I was taking out a suitcase. This is this frail man who suffered a stroke, reverse stroke, whatever he called it. He was uh, not, 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 not a person who seemed to be in great physical shape. He could barely see. Uh, and he's in his, uh, his early 80s already. So I'm taking out a suitcase. No, I'll take the suitcase. I'll take the suitcase. And we had tug of war. We had tug of war over the suitcase. Okay, and just, you know, ne- 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 next to some building where there's this program taking place. Like, it was an embarrassment. He's like, he's not letting go. And I don't have to tell you who won the tug of war. Rabbi Chalap, even if it was only against me, he was, he was a gibor, um, unbelievable gibor, in terms of the willpower, as, as I mentioned. Ashir, you only have to hear the stories about what about Stalky he was. Ashiris, as we know from the Chida, is not defined in terms of how much you make, but how much you give. He was definitely, definitely an Ashir, definitely an Ashir, in terms of being a tremendous Baal Stalker. On such a person, you have all those qualities, but ultimately he was an Anav. And the question is, Maran Shabbos uh, has a different formulation of this Gemara that I quoted, which is from Nidarim. Maran Shabbos doesn't say, Onim, it says Balkoma. So as the Shah says, what, what's going on over here? What is it? Onim or Balkoma? Well, the idea is, when you're such an Onim, and uh, you're able to uh, have a, a complete and dedicated, uh, selfless approach to a Shem Shemayim with all of your milus and all of your pedigree, that's, that's the true Volet Eskemko Mius. That's the true Balcoma. That's the true person of stature. That's the individual about we say. So I can only say that his neshama should be a sukhus um, in terms of the vital and abiding legacy that he leaves behind for the yeshiva and for, and for all of us. Tehei nishmaso, Sura. It's so hard to